Before we get things started here in the Tom Green Podcast, we have a quick shout-out to Dale Money and Josh Abbey. They are trying to start up an iRacing team, and they're looking for sponsors. They are fellow Scorecrow members like yours truly. So give them a follow, at PackerD underscore zero zero, even though he's a Packer fan, and at jabby 5 on Twitter. Once again, at P-A-C-K-E-R-D underscore zero zero. That's Dial Money. Had to do a little British accent there. And Josh Abbey. That's at J-A-B-B-E zero five. Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast. It is the NFL Draft Preview, and yet we are still in quarantine. It's been a few weeks since I've gotten back onto the Tom Green Podcast scene, and it's because we still don't know when sports are going to come back. So for all intensive purposes, this could be the last sporting event we have for a while. I hope I'm wrong with that assessment, but we shall see. With us are a Saints fan and a Packers fan. It sounds like I'm, as a Lions fan, it sounds like I'm officiating the NFC Championship game perhaps later <laughs> later this year with a Saints fan and a Packers fan. But here we are about to talk the NFL draft. So with us today are our Saints fan, Johnny Black, the most interesting score crow in the world. We're over Zoom, so I'm surprised he doesn't have his cigar or beard, but he nonetheless is with us. Welcome back to the show, Johnny. Thank you very much. Uh, it's good to be here again. It's been a while. It has. This quarantine has definitely gotten a lot of us really busy in aspects that we never thought we would outside of sports. <laughs> so Johnny's with us. And, of yeah. course, our Packers fan from 90FM Sports Wisconsin has probably a lot more people are listening to him now that they're stuck in quarantine, but... Unfortunately, no sports to talk about except for this. He is Alex Strofe, drinking Strofe's IPA with us. Welcome to the show, Alex. Of course I am. I'm not drinking an ice-cold water at 10 a.m. I'm drinking an ice-cold made-up beer. Uh, Tommy, <laughs> thanks for having me back, man. Good to, be, good to be back with you. Of course. If we if you guys listened to the last Lions-Packers show we did, we made up that beer, Strofe's IPA, as we had said that he was an IPA guy, so... Strophe's IPA. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> true that. True that. How funny, the radio station I work at, WLEW, the morning show host, Max Cook, Max in the morning, uh, during the Friday overnights that I have, I get to talk with him before he does the show. He had told me that he's done broadcasts from the North Pole before. So I, so I told him, well, did Alan Jackson and... Um, <laughs> Jimmy's Buffett sing about you because it's uh, up in the North Pole. It's five o'clock somewhere, always. It's true. It's true. five o'clock. Well, it's five o'clock all the time in quarantine. Hey. Might as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So before we get to this draft preview, we have some big NFL news from last night that made me freak out at the office in a positive way, and that is. Rob Gronkowski, all, everybody knows him as Gronk, coming out of retirement and getting traded to the Bucks, And Gronk in a seventh for a fourth-round pick. We're going to start with Johnny. Your thoughts on this amazing deal, I guess we'll call it. <laughs> Crazy deal. He's having some connection issues. So, well, okay, okay, we'll start with Alex there. Uh, Gronk trade, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't expected, was it, Tommy? I mean, this is this 
is really, really nuts. Uh, a guy takes an entire year off of football and then uh, and then gets traded pretty much out of nowhere uh, to Tampa Bay. So this is clearly a Belichick effect, right? I think there's interesting notes surrounding this that haven't really been discussed, and that is, is Belichick the reason Gronk didn't want to play now that he's so eager to come out of retirement and chase his buddy Brady all the way to the uh, Tampa Bay. So it's an interesting, uh, interesting scenario to begin with, but obviously it's really exciting because Gronk's one of the best tight ends we've ever seen. So uh, to, to get him in a new uniform and in a new city and obviously after a year of rest, we'll, we'll see what he's capable of, but it's really exciting. And I think at least uh, Gronk will still be able to play at a really high level. So uh, I'm really excited about this now. I'm sure we'll talk about the Bucks at least a little bit. Um, I don't know how good they'll be, but I think they'll be fun to watch. Um, and I think Gronk's going to provide a really fun spark, as he always does. Yeah, the the key to this is how will they mend well with Bruce Arians? Because Bruce Arians, it, Bruce Arians is a quarterback whisper if we think about it. If, if they can mend well with Coach Arians, I, I can definitely see at least 10-6 and six with that offense. And that defense, though. That defense is going to have to step up because there, there were – of course, if we remember Bucks Giants last year, that game was in the fifties, if I'm not mistaken. There, that defense is going to have to is going to have to step up. But you're obviously going to see a lot less interceptions because Jameis Winston is no longer on that team. <laughs> you could you could make the, the case for fewer touchdowns too, because he did have quite a few of those, didn't he? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. As are, but, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure Brady and Gronk will fit in nicely and. Uh, I don't know. I think the Buccaneers are a weird team, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see once uh, sports fingers crossed finally come back around. Yeah, and that's another thing. We'll see if, if sports comes back in time. If we're gonna have a full NFL season, well, let's see if Johnny's back with us. Johnny, your thoughts on the um, Gronk trade? Yeah, I mean, I I was gonna say uh, last year I kind of lucked out because we had a we started a dynasty league sport pro. And I actually drafted Gronkowski late in the draft last year. Held on to him all year in the hopes that he was coming back. I actually thought he was going to come back last year and make a run with the Patriots for the playoffs. But after this year, he didn't come back and everything. He did Gronk things, like winning the championship belt in WWE, you know, partying down in Florida all year and stuff like that. And I think he just needed that time away from football. I mean, I think it's going to be a good fit. He's got to stay healthy, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's always been the problem with him. It's never the production. It's the health. And now that he's on the wrong side of 30, we'll see. I mean, the offense for the Bucks is incredible. You know, it just got better and better. Brady going there, limiting the states. And then Gronk, you know, one of his favorite targets there, big touchdown guy, you know, along with Evans and Godwin and whatever they have, whatever they can do in the running game. But uh, I was still suspect of their defense. Their front their front four is pretty good. Their linebackers are decent, but their cornerbacks are bad. They were horrible against the pass last year. And in that division, I think it's going to be a little rough, especially playing against the Saints. Johnny, I guess with your expertise, let me ask you. Um, I've been saying for months, you know, maybe not months, but since Brady's side, I don't think this is more than maybe maximum a nine-win team. Where, where do you gauge the Bucks? I mean, obviously we're ahead of the NFL draft and, and training camp and all of that. Uh, so it's maybe too early to talk about it, but I'm, I'm interested to see what you think. 
I'd say if the, if the Bucks can shore up that. The Bucks were pretty good against the run last year. I believe they were number one. Well, they were top three at least. Um, but Alex, yeah, you asked what I thought about the Bucks as far as the win-loss goes. Um, I would have to say I'd still probably go between eight and ten games. Okay. I mean, I think I, I think they can, you know, they were seven and nine last year. So yeah. look at it that way. I think they added a couple wins just getting Brady and Gronk, maybe another win or two. If they can shore up that secondary and stop the pass, I mean, especially when you're facing quarterbacks in your own division like Breeze and Ryan, you know, if they can if they can shore that up a little bit, I could see them with ten wins. Okay. I don't see them much more than that though. It's going to be a competitive division, and the NFC is always tough. Always, always. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with you, John. I'm I'm curious to see what their ceiling might be. I mean, this team is so different than other teams to me, right? I mean, we look at Cleveland from a year ago, and they were stacking all these names, and we thought, oh my goodness, this team's going to be ridiculous, just radical, easily win the AFC North. And yeah. then they go ahead and don't do any of that. So it's really interesting to me to see what a team like Tampa Bay will do when you bring in the greatest player of all time in Tom Brady. You bring in maybe the greatest tight end of all time. Obviously, that can be debated for the next hour um, in Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> and you already have a bunch of those offensive tools, a solid defense already in place. I'm still uh, pessimistic more than most, I feel. I think they've got maybe a nine-win ceiling um, in the first year. But, again, that could just be being an idiot. And uh, maybe they can go out and win 12 games because they have Tom freaking Brady and who am I to doubt Tom Brady? But uh, again, it's too, too, way too early to tell, but I was curious uh, to gauge your interest in that. Yeah, definitely. I think 10, 10 wins probably their ceiling. Okay. I would say. And we know that Johnny has the Saints as a 19 win ceiling and four, <laughs> but that's, <laughs> and then Alex has got the Packers as a 19 win ceiling or four. As for me, Lions, well, if they can win 10, I'd be, more than happy. <laughs> you'd, also be, you'd also be living in a fantasy world. <laughs> Aren't we all at this point living in quarantine? <laughs> that's, not, that's not false, is it? That is not false. <laughs> but for me, I see, I see 10. I see 12 as a ceiling and 8 as a floor. So 10 about, of course, the average of those two. 8 as a floor? Yeah. Okay, that's that's interesting to me. See, I, again, I, I think I think the floor for them is even even five six wins, and obviously that's probably something goes drastically wrong, right? That's yeah. that's Gronk gets hurt, or that's you know they lose the running game earlier, or God forbid Tom Brady comes up with an injury. I mean, I mean four or five games is really a floor for them, but I, I think eight wins for a floor. You've got faith in Tom Brady, and you will not let him prove you wrong, which I can appreciate. As a Michigan man. I got to root for the, that's fair for the enough, boy. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, of course, he, of course, Alex has got Jonathan Taylor in the background, just trying to run over the zoom, trying to run over me, just like he <laughs> ran over my Wolverines. Oh, that was a rough day in September, but <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's what it is. So, um, we might as well move on to the NFL draft preview. Let's do it. And so we have a Lions fan, a Packers fan, and a Saints fan. We're going to start. We started with Johnny at first with the Saints. I'm going to start with Alex here with the Packers. Um, tell us about their needs and who do you expect them to, to take? So Brian Gutekunst, who is the GM of the Green Bay Packers, uh, he's been around only for a few years now, and he is a weird, weird guy in the draft. And I shouldn't. Say I mean, Packers fans are weird, so there's that. That's true, but but again, I was just about to, and I'm one of them. I'll admit that. But uh, 
but I, 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 you know, in a weird way, I don't mean it's weird. It's, it's a negative connotation. It's not that. Brian Gutekunst is a genius in the draft. We, we know that he doesn't like to stick in one place, right? So right. Uh, pick 30 this year for Green Bay in the first round. Do I think they actually pick from there? I think the odds are slim, Tom and John. Let me tell you why. Sure. Um, I think if Jordan Love falls to 30, we see him in green and gold. And I don't think that happens. I think he goes 23 to New England, does Jordan Love of Utah State. Um, but the heir to the throne, I don't think it would be impossible to see picked in this draft for Green Bay. But at 30, eh, I think it might be a year too early. But if Jordan Love falls, I think the Packers would be silly not to grab him. Obviously, the Packers have some linebacker issues. They need to fill an offensive tackle spot they need to fill. So that could be addressed early. Um, but with the just unbelievable slew of talent you have at the wide receiver position, um, I know the Packers will probably pick one or two guys later. Um, I don't think they'll go wide receiver first or second round. I think they go wide receiver third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, grab two or three of them throughout um, with a couple of sixth and seventh round picks as we stand right now. So Green Bay's weird. Um, I, I mean, obviously coming off an NFC championship run, we know they're set for, for good things. And they want to get back to the Super Bowl, obviously, again, in an Aaron Rodgers tenure. So uh, this is a big draft to find some playmakers in the wide receiver class because this is the best wide receiver class, at least I remember seeing in several years. Um, and uh, obviously there's probably 50 guys, or excuse me, 18 guys that are ranked in it within the top 50 for a lot of big boards. So, I mean, there is there's no shortage of wide receiver talent uh, this year in the NFL draft. But again, I mentioned the tackle. Um, there, there's quite a few that I like um, at tackle that, that could fall to Green Bay. Um, I think Josh Jones from Houston really sparks my interest. And a couple others are Ben Barch from John, St. John's. He might be a second or third round pick, as, as well as Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. Uh, those are the three tackles that I really think the Packers are gearing up and looking at. But but uh, again, Tom and John, I keep saying it, I probably sound like a freak broken record but this is a really different draft uh the, the packers are going to take a very different approach in comparison to others other teams um because we know what they're capable of it's just a matter of putting the pieces together and getting uh the right uh shifts in gear if you will so they can put this thing to the freaking floor and run it all the way to the super bowl and the packers i mean they're running out of time there's no secret of that um aaron Rodgers is 35 years old the last time the pack the packers drafted a quarterback in the first round his name was Aaron Rodgers, and their starting quarterback at the time, his name was Brett Favre. He was 35 years old. So we're in a very interesting period of time where we don't know when this next quarterback will come in and really uh, start putting the pressure on the great Aaron Rodgers. Um, but the time's coming, and this could be the year. I don't think it is, but it could be. Uh, and, you know, the last mock draft I did for Packers Worldwide, decided to do some work with, uh, Jordan Love was there at 30. So I went with Jordan Love. And you, you've got to fill up on those skill positions because you also know that Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are facing an impending free agency. So the Packers' backfield uh, might need to be addressed in this draft. So if a guy like Jonathan Taylor drops to round two, well, he could make a short move to the Northeast uh, just an hour and a half from Madison. So, uh, I mean, obviously we can get into more specifics as we go along here, but that's kind of my big sloppy overview of Green Bay heading into Thursday night. And sorry, but Marquez Valdez Scandling is not Randy Moss. No, he is not. <laughs> but I, Thaddeus Moss kind of is, and I'd be very yeah. interested to see if the Packers can draft him out of LSU. <laughs> that would be and interesting. Then you have Zach Moss. Yeah. <laughs> Zach Moss. 
But yeah, I saw that I saw that report on the internet and I'm like, I wonder what kind of what kind of cheese he smoked up in up in Green Bay because MVS is not anywhere near <laughs> Randy Moss. Sorry. He's the he's the second coming, Tom. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Alex got a whiff of that too. But uh, <laughs> we'll go ahead and uh, go to flip it over to Johnny here. Saints draft needs. Who well, tell us about them? Obviously, they need to win in the playoffs, but so does every team in yes. the NFL. Yeah, the Saints need to. Uh, well, they need to stop facing the Vikings for one thing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, this isn't Detroit. But, uh, Thanks, Paul Allen. <laughs> they need to stop facing the Vikings and uh, get some decent calls. But aside from that, from the past three years, one of their biggest needs going into free agency was wide receiver. I mean, they've been trying to find someone to go with Michael Thomas for a long time. How funny. I keep calling him Mike Tom. Again, <laughs> <laughs> was there for a while. He was decent, you know, as a speed guy. I mean, and they, but they drafted other guys and, Dante Harris last year, but he looks like more of just a kick returner. Um, Traquan Smith hasn't turned into anything, yeah. you know, so they've been searching for that number two. Now, this free agency, we signed Emmanuel Sanders to a two-year deal. I always liked Emmanuel Sanders. He's been good everywhere he's gone. Um, he's a solid player, but he is 33. Um, he's looking to win, which was, I thought it was a good signing. Two years of $16 million is not too bad. With that signing, I wonder if it buys them one more year of wide receiver. And the Saints have the 24th pick in the first round that we don't have a second rounder. So I'm not sure if they go wide receiver. There's two other ways they can go. Um, if they go wide receiver, I'm hoping that kid Justin Jefferson is there. He's from LSU, from Louisiana. So, I mean, he would be a perfect fit. Big guy's got speed. Put him on the other side of Michael Thomas. Um, but the other ways the Saints could go um, is linebacker, which they desperately need. Um, Klein is gone. And Zaloni has injury history. Um, <clears throat> Demario Davis is it was great last year, but he's getting older also. Um, so we really need a playmaker. And not only that, now that you have someone like Gronkowski in your division, we need a linebacker who's got some speed that can run around the field and cover someone like Gronk. So with that, um, one of the mock drafts we did actually on the Scorecrow, my buddy Dale, who's ironically a Green Bay Packers fan, Dial money. He wrote up that they, they take uh, they have, they have the, he has the Saints taking Patrick Queen, another player from LSU, big fan of first him. round, big fan of him. Yeah, oh, he's fast, and he's kind of like, you know, they talk about Isaiah Simmons being like a hybrid guy. Patrick Queen is a little bit like that because he's only six one and about two thirty, so he's a good-sized safety slash linebacker. So he can cover the tight ends. He can spy the running backs out of the backfield, you know, drop them back in coverage. And he's got the speed to blitz if you need to blitz from the outside. So he can be kind of Isaiah Simmons light. I know Simmons gets a lot of the a lot of the pub and everything like that going, maybe possibly top 10 in the draft and stuff like that. But if we could get someone like Patrick Queen, a nice, fast sideline-to-sideline linebacker who can cover these tight ends and get into coverage in the flat against these running backs and stuff like that. I think that'd be a great pick. The third choice, just as you were saying uh, with your Packers, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is only 35. Drew Brees is 41. And Teddy Bridgewater just signed with the division yes, rival Carolina Panthers. So looking for a quarterback, you know, if Jordan Love does fall, 
that's another choice that the Saints might have to make at 24. They could take someone like Jordan Love. He could sit behind Breeze for a year, possibly two years, and then, you know, and then t- take over from there. I just don't know if they go quarterback this year. Breeze hasn't shown any injury history at all. Their line, their offensive line is great. They just re-signed Andrews Pete, which guard is a tough, tough position to fill in the NFL. If I had to guess, I'm going to guess they're going to go with Patrick Queen. I think they're going to go linebacker, and they really want to get more speed on the defense. Because wide receiver, although Justin Jefferson, I think, would be a great fit, I think they can wait till the third round. Like you said, there are so many wide receivers out there. You can get someone like Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty. You can get him in the third, fourth round probably. Guys like that, you know, Cephas is another one that they're talking about going fourth round. I mean, there are plenty of other guys that we can get uh, to fit. And... I mean, when you have, if you're a rookie and you're in Sean, you get thrown into Sean Payton's offense. You don't have to be the man because Michael Thomas is there, and you have the most accurate passer in the NFL history thrown to you. If you can't succeed as a number two in that offense, I don't know. Maybe you probably don't deserve to be in the NFL. So <laughs> yeah. I think I think I think we could fit. I think we could fit a wide receiver in as long as it fits what Payton likes and stuff. So I see them going linebacker first round. No second rounder, wide receiver in a third, and then possibly another linebacker or safety, maybe offensive guard depth, someone like a Logan, Logan Sternberg from Kentucky, some kind of offensive line depth in the fourth. And then we only have a fifth and a sixth. We only have five picks this year. So that's what that's what I think they're going to go with. Gotcha. So at least for my Lions, uh, first round, obviously, we're number three. If we're not going to trade down, we, we've got – Maybe Chase Young on the board if the Redskins screw it up. We hope Lions fans hope so, but we know, crossed, yeah, right? we know that Daniel Snyder is crazy, but I don't know if he is that crazy. So now we've, we're looking at for for fellow Scorecrow fans, our boy Jeff Okuda. <laughs> we we all we know we all know what I'm referring to there. <laughs> Stay, stay on track, Tom. Don't get sloppy. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I won't commit any penalties here. Or Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, of course. We had a writer on the Scorecrow that talked about Simmons over Okuda, which is an interesting, interesting debate. You also have let's say they let's say Bob Quinn goes crazy or trades down, Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, or an offensive tackle. Because let's face it, the Lions problem over the last geez. 24 years I've been watching them. And mind me, I'm going to be turning 25 in two weeks. So <laughs> the last 24 years. Yeah, thanks a lot. Happy early birthday to me. But what has been the Lions' problem the last 25 years? Offensive line. Anything we can do to help that offensive line would be great. But at least first round, I would see Okuda, Simmons, or if Quinn, go, if Quinn decides to trade down, Brown, Kinlaw, or offensive tackle. Day two. Um, we're looking at a POD article here. Shout out to Pride of Detroit. Uh, they, they've got Justin Jefferson still on the board. Denzel Mims, wide receivers out of LSU and Baylor. Um, AJ Epinesa, his stock has fallen quite a bit because I was because right before the combine, we were all thinking, okay, it's either going to be Chase Young or AJ Epinesa. Well, his stock really fell. So there's a possibility going into day two. Cesar Ruiz, he. Uh, interior outside line out of Michigan, of course. Go blue. 
Uh, or Bradley Anay or Zach Bond, both defensive ends. And, of course, Alex is familiar with Zach Bond. Yep. <laughs> and, of course, day three, um, this guy that I had seen, this guy gave Michigan fans a bit of a heart attack a year and a half ago, and that was James Prochet. He could be a solid number three wide receiver that could that could make a, make an impact out of SMU. Uh, if, Pro, if Prochet is there, I would definitely like to take him. But or of course, DPJ. <laughs> you take a Michigan man, I, I, I'm happy all day. But uh, Jason Strobridge, James Lynch, Casey Toolhill as well. Also, good signing or good draftings if they do that. But you're looking at the Lions' problems as they have been for many years. Just about one of everything. And that's kind of what I'm saying we should do is try to get one of everything and see if it works. Kind of, kind of like if you're at the if you're at a buffet and Johnny and Alex know what I'm talking about quite well. You want or you're at a Chinese buffet. You pick up one a, a piece of everything and you just douse it in sweet and sour sauce. That's pretty much what I'm telling Bob Quinn that he needs to do. <laughs> Grab a bunch of everything and dump it in sweet and sour sauce. <laughs> Jeffrey Okuda is just going to be covered his first day in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but I'm telling you, pretty much draft one of everything, and hopefully your free agency signings will bode you well. So, um, next question is for Johnny. Um, Drew Brees was talking about going to NBC after things are said and done. You think that would be as good or if not better than uh, Tony Romo at uh, CBS? I don't know, man. That's, I, I mean, I love Breeze, obviously, you know, but uh, Romo has been great. Romo is probably one of the best broadcasters in, in football right now. I mean, he's really, but you got to figure, you know, Romo, it's almost like a baseball, you know, catchers make great managers. And oftentimes, catchers and pitchers also make great announcers, broadcasters, because they have a totally different view of the field and everything like that. Whereas quarterbacks are generally broadcasters. You look at Aikman, you look at Romo. So I think Breeze would fit in perfectly there. I mean, he's well-liked. He's well-spoken. Uh, you know, I he knows the game, obviously. Uh, I think he would fit in great. I think he'd do a great job. And, of course, I'll throw that question to the council and chamber since we're talking about managers. <laughs> Alex, same question. Breeze, NBC, thoughts? Yeah, you know what? It'd be great. I really hope it happens. Um, obviously, with Chris Collinsworth's departure kind of now. Uh, now, here's a guy. Race. Right, yeah, here's a guy uh, <laughs> who might be without a job shortly. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but all in all, I think, obviously, NBC is making a good move here from, from a programming side of things. Now, does this bring up the discussion of NBC potentially acquiring a second weekly game or they could uh, put together a second group? I think Tarico's with NBC now, so yes. they could do a Tarico Breeze booth um, as well as their traditional Michaels Collinsworth booth on Sunday night. I wouldn't be surprised to see NBC go try to get a, a second weekly game, you know, whether it be at noon on uh, or one o'clock Eastern on Sundays or whatever it might be um, that breeze and uh, possibly Mike Tarico could do uh, until Collinsworth and Michaels decide the time is right. Because you know what? I really miss Mike Tarico in the booth. I really, really do. Obviously yeah. he did ESPN yes. Monday night football for so long and now he's doing more of a hosting role with NBC sports. But uh 
Breeze is going to be phenomenal in the booth because he's just charismatic as hell, and he, he's got such a great perspective on the game, and everybody's going to want to hear him. I don't know one person that doesn't like Drew Breeze. I think I can find one person that doesn't like every other athlete in the world. I can find at least <laughs> one person. I don't know if I've ever met one person who doesn't at least respect Drew Breeze. So I think this is the perfect fit for, for, a, uh, for a football booth. And again, just like Johnny said, I think quarterbacks are – generally great broadcasters you look at guys and we'll go even further back a guy that's not even broadcasting anymore like dan fouts who was yeah. in a booth for a long time for cbs oh, yeah. um you can look at you know even from a studio standpoint terry bradshaw's done it for so long and the boomer list goes Sison. on and on yep. right boomer sison's done it for so yep. long so uh, i mean the list goes on and on with quarterbacks and you're absolutely correct they have such a different uh, view of a football field than any other position that plays the game so um and obviously it works in the broadcast booths we've seen, especially with Tony Romo. So I'm so excited for Drew Brees to eventually join a booth because he'll be a natural. He'll be great at it. Yeah, and I Breezy second. Tirico uh, would be great. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Breezy Tirico, oh. Breezy Tirico would be great. I do miss, I agree with you. Tirico is awesome. Tirico's a great guy. Yeah, he is. He is. And that was pretty much what I was going to say, too, is that um, <laughs> I, I, I miss Tirico in the booth. One of. One of my favorite Mike Tirico calls was Damian Lillard's buzzer beater against Houston. Oh, my God! (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, one of my favorite football calls was the um, back in 2016, and Alex will remember this, when Garcon breaks through for for the touchdown to make it a two-score game in Washington. You could just hear the Redskins band, and to, to me, I'm like, Oh my God! The Packers might actually get eliminated. Oh my God! And then they went out and break my heart again. But you like that? But just for that one time, I'm like, Oh my God! This might actually be happening. (laughs) Sorry, Tom. Sorry to disappoint you with a win. (laughs) They they did end up losing to the Redskins, but like I'd said, Rodgers then said we got to win out. Went to went to Philly on Monday night. Won that game. Oh, the that rest was from the history. table year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. The rest gotcha. is history. Yeah. But God, we we all miss Mike Tirico in the booth, and hopefully yes, that will that that will correct itself here in just a couple of years. Now, here's a guy. No, no, Chris, 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 Chris. No, 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 no. We, Mike and Drew. That's that's the team. That's the team. Even though I'll miss out Michaels, that's that that's the team. So, uh, any surprises or busts? Uh, I'll start with Alex there. Any any guy that you could potentially see as a bust, like um, Jamarcus oh Russell boy. here? <laughs> well, you, you, you're really uh, you're you're really putting the pressure on me because I don't want to get this one wrong. A, a bust? Look, I, I'm 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 gonna change your word choice. I'm gonna I'm gonna say underperform or disappointing. I'm not gonna go okay. with complete bust uh, potential because I'm gonna I'm gonna go quarterback, and that's always tough to predict. Um, I'm not huge on Justin Herbert. Um, from Oregon, I think he's a, he's got potential. He's got tools. I think he'll fit in nicely wherever he ends up. I mean, he's a top ten pick more than likely. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. So uh, wherever he goes, he's probably going to see the field pretty quickly. And I don't know if he's ready for that quite yet, um, even in year one or two. I, I like Justin Herbert. I think he's got tools, um, but I don't know how great he'll be in the pros. I think Joe Burrow will be a bona fide stud. Uh, I really just do, and and that. That obviously comes with the confidence and the charisma and the character of Joe Burrow. Um, but now that, as of this morning, it, it, he's been informed he will be the number one pick to Cincinnati, I think that'll be a good fit. I'm really hoping they can figure out the A.J. Green nonsense that has been occurring. 
and, and I earned that out. So Joe Burrow has a true number one receiver to throw to in A.J. Green. Um, obviously, they've got a couple other targets like Tyler Boyd, um, who, who will obviously make an impact as well. So Cincinnati's offense, and they have Joe Mixon at running back too, Cincinnati's offense isn't garbage. They have good uh, tool players, right? Good mm-hmm. tools that can make things happen offensively. Their defense, uh, I mean, give or take, right? But Cincinnati's not horrible. If Joe Burrow can provide a spark, they can be good. But I don't think he'll be a bust. Tua, Tua, man, Tua. I, I don't know what to make of Tua Tungavailoa. Um, the injuries scare me more than other people, I think. I think he goes to Miami. Um, but I... I Still, I mean, that, that that's pretty much a job where you get plugged in and you're going because I don't think they're confident with Josh Rosen. Um, though I would think that's a bad move. You know, I, I think Josh Rosen's the guy to go with. Um, uh, and Tua, maybe you don't go with there. I pick, what, 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 what is Miami? I pick five, is it? Um, I so, so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, pick five. So after, you know, I mean, you know, Washington probably won't pick a quarterback. They shouldn't, especially with Chase Young sitting there. Detroit shouldn't go quarterback. New York won't go quarterback as they did last year. Miami is then the next team with a quarterback option on the board. Tua seems like the option, and I think it will be the option. However, I, I, he still confuses me. The injuries scare me a little bit. Um, there's no doubt that Tua Tungavailoa is a great quarterback. I mean, we saw that at the collegiate level. At a very high level, we saw him get plugged in in a championship game, and holy smokes, they just won the damn thing. So we know what he's capable of. But the injuries, again, they scare me. He's got good size. But, again, I just – it's, it's confusing. I mean, he doesn't have the size of a guy like Burrow or Herbert. I mean, what is Tua, 6'2", maybe tops? He's, he's a fine, fine prospect, but he scares me. Him and Herbert both do a little bit. I think both of those quarterbacks aren't – Golly, these guys are terrific. I think Burrow is going to be great. I think I think Jordan Love's going to be really good. Uh, but but the rest of the quarterback board is really scattered for me. Gotcha. So you so you're probably thinking that um, Herbert might have like a Jake Walker type career in the NFL, where he sits another year. Or I shouldn't say sits another year. He, of course, he goes back to college, kind of banks on becoming that number one draft pick, and then all of a sudden, that's what that's what happened to a couple of guys. I think Matt. But Matt Liner was he a number one pick? Matt Liner, I think he was. Matt Liner was Mar- not. I I this was the not first draft. Overall. Yeah, okay. this was the first draft I ever watched. I remember the 06 draft. It was Liner or Young. Liner or Young. The Houston Texans select Mario Williams. That's what? Right. The? That's right. And, Which and, turned uh, out Mark to be Sanchez. a good pick, by the way. That was a good pick too. That was a good pick. Uh, Mark Sanchez, another USC uh, quarterback, ironically, but another guy that if you would have went out a year earlier, he probably would have been in the top pick in the draft, and he fell to number five to New York. What was that, 07 draft? So uh, we will uh, we will see what happens with these quarterbacks. I mean, it's a weird class, man. I mean, it's obviously deep. I mean, you can go all the way down to uh, Jake Fromm, who's probably a second or third round pick. You can talk about Jacob Eason. Um, e- even a guy like that really interests me, James Morgan out of FIU. Uh I covered him in high school, so obviously I have a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a, a hunch and an extra love for for James Morgan out of FIU. But that, that's a guy in the fifth round who, who might still serve as a quality backup. So again, I don't want to I don't want to say bust on Justin Herbert. I think he, right. he's probably a starter in this league, but I don't think he's a I don't think he's anywhere near. I, you know, when I look at Herbert, and this might be a bad comparison, but but when I look at you know the competent starter chain. 
I look at maybe a guy like uh, Ryan Tannehill for Justin Herbert. Um, you know, quality starter, a guy you won't rush to replace. But I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't think he's Deshaun Watson. I don't think he's Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's Drew Brees. Um, I think that way with Burrow. I think Burrow, you know, I'd be more disappointed if Burrow was a scrub and a mistake at number one than if Justin Herbert just meh, was a star. You know, I'd be more disappointed if Burrow flopped than Herbert flourished. I, I really can't pick a hole in Joe Burrow. Um, he really is the best prospect we've seen come out in several years, in my opinion, at least at the quarterback position. I think Joe Burrow is ready for Cincinnati. Gotcha. So we'll toss that question to Johnny as well. Um, the potential disappointment slash bust. Um, well, you mentioned, I, I mean, I think Burrow's going to be great. Uh, you yeah. did mention Tua, and I'd have to agree with you, Alex. The injuries scare me a little bit. I mean, I know that he's looked healthy and stuff like that, but, you know, what happens too is with quarterbacks, and as with all players in football especially, a lot of it depends on where the fit is and what kind of system they go into. Um, Someone like, you look at someone like Jake Fromm, like they're saying he could go maybe second round, then the second round, something like that. I I just don't see it with that guy. I mean, I honestly, you know, I've read some of my own scouting reports from my guys and stuff like that. And a lot of them, a lot of them agree that he's not big, 6'1", 6'2". Now, granted, that doesn't always mean everything. You take a look at Drew Brees or Russell Wilson or someone like that. But he doesn't have the size, doesn't have the arm strength, doesn't have the mobility. I I think he's he's a career backup at best, honestly. And I think if if a team drafts him, even in the second round, I I think, I just don't think he's going to, He's going to do anything in the NFL. So we, for the team that drafts Jake Fromm, I, I think they're going to be very disappointed. He's not going to turn into a starter. So oh, if I had to pick one guy, I'd say him. I'll, I'm going to throw one out there, and I'm probably going to be totally wrong about this, but I'll make a bold prediction. I'm going to say Isaiah Simmons oh, wow. turns out to be a bit of a bust. Wow. Interesting. That's an interesting take to me. <laughs> Well, like he's got the look. He's got the physical tools. There's Absolutely. No doubt. I mean, the kid's six four, two thirty, runs like the wind. I mean, yeah, I get it. But like I said, he's he was a hybrid in college for the most part, mm-hmm. and he was used well. If he goes to a a defensive system that's kind of set, and they have him maybe gain some weight so he can put his hands on the ground as a defensive end or something like that. I mean, we've seen physical guys that that were dominant in college that came into the NFL that were good, but not world beaters. They didn't become, you know, Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, guys like that. Whereas this is what they're touting this kid Simmons as being like this dominant defensive force along the lines of a Lawrence Taylor, where you could put him at linebacker, defensive end, safety. It doesn't matter. I just think in the NFL, the way the schemes are and the way the offenses have run, and depending on what kind of defense he falls into, if you have a defensive coordinator that pretty much sticks with either a 4-3 or a 3-4, doesn't move his guys around, I honestly think that his physical talent could be wasted. And he's, like I said, he's got the physical tools to be a very good player, possibly a great player. But I just I just don't know if he's going to be used correctly. And an NFL game is completely different from the college game. So I'm going to, I'm going to say not so much a bust, but I think Isaiah Thomas is – not 
going to turn out to be the dominant player that a lot of people think he is. Isaiah Simmons, he means, because Isaiah Simmons, Thomas. I'm sorry. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas, Thomas was a bad boy. <laughs> but um, yeah. what are you wearing, Jake from State from? Uh, khakis. <laughs> khakis. <laughs> no, I think I, I sound idiot. <laughs> John, just to go back on your Isaiah Simmons point real quick. I think I understand where you're coming from. I, I really like Simmons. Obviously, you do too. It is a bold yeah. prediction. I look at the draft board, though, and I'm curious to see where he'll fall to. Does he go seven to Carolina? Do they try to, you know, obviously they, they're missing a big piece of their defense. Luke Keekly retired. Um, yeah. Do they plug him in at safety, play him as that kind of plug him wherever you can, whatever role you want him to play, can he successfully fill that role? Can Isaiah Simmons? We'll see. I mean, obviously there's some big expectations surrounding this kid. I, I mean, yeah. when, when you're as versatile as he was at Clemson, there's a big expectation heading into the next level. Do they expect him to be Reggie White by any means? Absolutely not. But do they expect him to be Troy Palomalo? Probably not. But do they want him to come in and be maybe an every-down guy come year two? Probably. So Carolina is a good fit for me for Isaiah Simmons. I think that's where he could flourish. Now, if he goes somewhere like, uh, I don't know, Arizona at eight, Jacksonville at nine, Cleveland at ten, now is that where we start looking at those teams and saying, can they really utilize a guy like Simmons' talents well and successfully? And right. some of those places really are doubtful. Cleveland, I don't think he flourishes. Even though he'd stay in the orange colors, I don't think he flourishes there. Jacksonville, maybe. Arizona's ceiling is so confusing to me on both sides of the ball. Uh, Arizona has consistently, the last five, ten years, been one of the most confusing teams in the NFL because you think they're going to win four games and they win 12. Um so, again, I mean, it depends where he ends up. I think Carolina, though, of the teams that I listed, I think I listed five, four or five teams. Of those teams, I think Carolina easy, easily the best fit and probably the most realistic one to pick seven. Gotcha. I could go. Yeah, I could go with that. Uh, Carolina, like you said, the, the loss of Keekley was huge. You know, I mean, Simmons could slot right in there. And a new head coach, too, although he's offensive-minded, Matt Rule. Yeah, uh, although he's an offensive-minded coach. They could find ways to really utilize him in a, in a brand new system. So I, I think I think the Carolina pick seven. That's that's a pick overall that really interests me. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree. I just don't like I said. I I hate to see him kind of pigeonholed in like that one spot. No, I agree with you. As as a lot, you know, they need they need someone who's they need. You have to go to a team with a defensive corner with an open mind. And that's why, honestly, that was part of the uh, the discussion about Simmons or Akuda for the sure. Lions, Tom, mm-hmm. is because right. Simmons could fit that role. And obviously, Matt Patricia, being the head coach, he was the defensive coordinator under Belichick. Yep. They used guys all over the place, moved them all around and stuff like that. So I think, actually, Detroit would be a perfect fit for Simmons. But then, of course, like you said, Alex, you get to pick third overall. There are a lot of expectations, and they probably do expect him to be Kind of a, you know, Charles Palomalu, Ray Lewis. Like, yeah, no put, kidding. You know, put a defense in the middle of that defense, put that team, right. and push them completely ahead. So, I don't know. Like I said, I think it's going to depend on where he goes. But I could see him getting pigeonholed and being a very good player, but possibly not a top 10 player. Interesting yeah. take. I like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 So, at least on my end, um, I'd be – I'd be fine with Okuda or Simmons, like like Johnny had said. My Patricia's more of a plug and play type of coach with you know putting putting the guys where you know 
Yeah, he's he's got it right there. So Okuda, I would want Okuda, but Simmons would be fine. And then, of course, as far as my disappointment, I'm worried about Tua. I really am because he suffered an injury similar to what Bo Jackson did back yep. in the '90s. And now that meta, the, now that the medical system's a lot better, even though it's being treated for COVID-19. Prayers up to all everybody in the healthcare system that is listening to this. But it's I'm worried about Tua if I were Miami. I would, I, geez, I'd almost lean more towards Herbert, even though Alex said he might be a bit of a, a disappointment. Ugh. <laughs> God, and I wouldn't want to be Miami right now in that position. So, um, so with that being said, um, good old Zoom meetings tells us that we are close to time, as it it said to me. And plus, I'm getting close to having to report to work on time. So, with so I'm going to go ahead and ask the famed final question of the show. Is there anything have you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? We started with Johnny, so we're going to start with Alex. Yeah, I guess just one thing. I I'm more on a draft note. I think yeah. this is obviously such a great. Uh, I'm so glad they're going ahead with the draft because the last what is it now over month already has been so weird and trying and pressing and challenging. And uh, I mean, I could go on with synonyms for the next ten minutes if I wanted to with what this last month has been for. Like for not only me, but I'm sure I can speak for each of you. Where it's been such a weird transition and, yeah. and some really unprecedented times that we're living in. So, uh, gentlemen, you two especially, but everybody listening, enjoy the draft. Enjoy uh, the break from reality for a few days. Um, and you know what? Let's let's have some fun with this because, you know, this might be, as Tom said at the top, the last sporting event we have for quite some time. So, uh, to you two especially, enjoy this, have some fun with it, and uh, I hope we get to talk soon. Definitely. Johnny. Yeah, I'll second that. It's been a weird time. Um, Tom and I was just talking. I work uh, I work at a supermarket in Boston. So I've been working six days a week, you know, go, going into work and everything like that. But, again, to all the healthcare workers and everybody out there, you know, stay safe, stay positive. And even if people are working from home or who lost their jobs, again, just stay positive. We'll get through this. You know, this is a good distraction, as sports usually is. As we saw after 9-11 happened, baseball coming back and, you know, with Katrina, what the Saints fans went through and them, them coming back and stuff like that. You know, every time we go through something that's hard to deal with in general, sports is always there when we come back to normal. So even though we're not totally back to normal, this draft, at least, like you said, Alex, is a distraction for a couple of days. So let's immerse ourselves in it, get all into it. I know over at the Scorecrow uh, today and tomorrow – all we're doing is draft coverage. There are going to be no articles about any other sport. It's all scouting reports, mock drafts, things nice. like that. So, uh, yeah, so plug in my site at the Scorecrow. Yes. You guys want to check it out. We're going to have tons. We have tons of, like I said, scouting reports, mock drafts, picks, sleepers, fantasy impact, and stuff like that. And we're also going to be live streaming. I'm probably going to be on for a little while. Uh, tomorrow night during the draft, um, Gio, who's one of our head, he's the head of our scouting department. Uh, Alex, I think is going to be on. I'm going to be on. Joey, we're going to have a bunch of us live streaming. So we're going to be on like Periscope and stuff like that. We're going through a streaming gotcha. service. So we'll be live streaming at least the first day of the draft tomorrow night, Thursday night. So join in. Hopefully we see everybody around. Sounds Stay safe, good. Everybody. Yes. Sounds good. And that's Alex Keeler, our Eagles reporter at the 
Scorecrow. Not quite Alex Strofe, even though if he if he has the keys to it, I'm sure he'd want to join it. So um, never did I think that I would be covering news as a guy that wants to be in sports. Never did I think Welcome I would be covering. Times, yeah, never did I <laughs> think I would be covering news during a pandemic Me when neither. I took the job at WLEW. Because I'll have some as. Now on Facebook, at least, I have a few people that I associate with in the news that are friends with me on the Internet, so they'll be able to see this. Never did I think that I would be working news over a pandemic when I took the job. Nope. But here we are. Never did I think this draft would go virtual like this or that it would go on under these circumstances. But here we are. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a trying time, but we're all going to get through this. And when sports comes back, as Mike Greenberg has said before, it'll be back and better than ever. <laughs> so, he is Johnny Black at JBall0202 on Twitter, at the Scorecrow as well. And he is Alex Strofe, the most interesting Strofe in Wisconsin, with some Strofe's IPA. <laughs> That's high price. There's a few of <laughs> <laughs> Alex Strofe. At 90FM Sports Wisconsin, if you have nothing else to do, listen to Alex on Wisconsin Radio. And this has been the Tom Green Podcast.